everyone. My name is Michael Kaiser. And I'm John Wilson. And welcome to another episode of Make Ours Marvel. This is the 166th episode of the podcast that is taking you on a journey through all of the adventures of the Marvel superhero universe. I think I've finally gotten that down to a tagline. Hey, all right. So, yeah. We started back at the beginning with the Fantastic Four number one in 1961, and we have reached the merry month of October 1967, a month which has ex- excited for things that are not happening in this episode. <laughs> yeah. I.e. the coming of Captain Marvel, Marvel's soup, uh, what do they call it? Marvel's space-born superhero, Captain Marvel. Uh, there, um, that's next episode. Today, we're going to be finishing up the first week of release, which was October 3rd, with Tales of Suspense 97. And then starting into Marvel's second week of release with October 10th, with Tales to Astonish 99, Fantastic Four 70, and The X-Men 39. And Daredevil. And Daredevil 35. So if you want excitement for this episode, one way or another, we're going to end Factor 3 and be excited about it. One way or another. Probably the another, but you never know. (laughs) (laughs) Also, we're going to finally change our clothes. Quarantine has been so long. Yes. Um, All right. So let's see. I'm starting us off tonight, right? If I I remember correctly. You are the three. You are three tonight, yep. Okay, so Tales of Suspense 97 has not Tales of Suspense on the cover. Well, it does, but tiny letters. Iron Man is the big, bold logo with Captain America written in little letters underneath. They're no longer doing equal billing. They're doing full billing to whoever is on the cover. And this time, it's Iron Man. So he's normally the first spot in the comic, so he's still the first spot in the comic, but they're gearing up to split these books, and so they're making people get used to seeing the logos on the stands. The coming of Whiplash! And I'm not even sure, do we see him in the comic? They talk about yes, him we for do. a long time. No, we Does do. he actually show up? Yep. Okay. He's on TV. Oh, uh, that's right. And he does show up in the very last scene. Okay. All right, so it's kind of weird, because he's on the cover. Even though um, he's 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 hardly directly involved in the storyline, but that's okay. We'll forgive them. Uh, the coming of Whiplash. In order to defeat the Gray Gargoyle last ish, Iron Man was forced to drain his transistorized armor's life-giving energy, and now Jasper Sitwell of Shield is trying to get Iron Man's helmet off so he can breathe and they can try to revive him, but it's booby trapped. He can't release the uh, helmet without getting a shock. But he does not know the meaning of surrender. There must be some way to save the life of the man inside the harbor. Another suspense-filled super spectacular by Stan the Man Lee, Gene the Dean Colon, in cataclysmic collaboration with Frank Jacoya, inker and Artie Simic letterer. But now that you're through applauding, what are we waiting for? The action's just ahead. And so uh, Jasper Sitwell decides that he's going to get a unidirectional explosive gun to blast open the um, armor or helmet of Iron Man to get past the actual release mechanism and just like blow it off without hurting the guy inside. It's unidirectional. So it's like a, a blast in one direction. I think they call that a gun sometimes, but I'm not positive. <laughs> Any case, they put it on Iron Man. They set it to go off in 10 seconds. They all run away, even though it's on this person. And it blasts, but it has no effect on the uh, armor. So Jasper's like, okay, fine. Iron Man can't die. We've got to go find Tony Stark. 
So he does. He goes off to find Tony Stark. Meanwhile, we change scenes to a gambling ship, a casino on board a cruise, a, a luxury cruise liner. And man that we met many months ago, Tony's cousin, Morgan Stark, is gambling his life away. The big M wants to see him because he is in some serious debt and his luck has run out. So the big M is the head of the Magia. That's why it's an M. And uh, you, you might think Mandarin, but no, it's Magia. And he uh, he's in shadows the entire time, so we never actually see him. And he tells Morgan Stark, you know, lots of mean things. I know that the world-famous Tony Stark has absolutely no use for a worthless non-entity like you. Um, and Morgan's trying to figure out how to uh, pay off his debts. Big M is like, no, no, no. It's time for you to meet Whiplash. And they're like, yeah, Whiplash. He's been complaining because we haven't kept him busy enough. And so Morgan's like, oh, no, I do not want to meet Whiplash. Then there's a TV on in the room, you know, for no reason. And they notice on the news broadcast that Iron Man has been knocked out. And Morgan's like, that's it. I'll go get Iron Man and bring him to you because he's knocked out. I should be able to do this. It's pretty easy. Big M is like, I will cancel your debt if you achieve this. So Morgan's like, okay, I'll go get Iron Man. And Big M's like, and if you don't, it's whiplash time. All right, so Morgan heads out. He goes off to Stark Enterprises. He arrives. All this must have happened just a little bit in the past because he arrives while they're dealing with the situation. Uh, he's like, yeah, I'm um, I'm Tony's uh, cousin and I know how to get the helmet off. So if you'll just help me get Iron Man into my car, I'll drive him off to Tony and we'll, we'll take care of him. And the place is like, well, he is Tony Stark's cousin. So, um... Sure, why not? Why isn't Tony Stark here? He's busy on some um, weapons test or other. Yeah. So they're driving along and Iron Man starts to come to in the back seat. He plugs his uh, charger cable into the cigarette lighter in the back seat because he can do that now. He has an adapter. And uh, so he starts charging up his uh, um, armor, which is great. They get to the ship with the big M. Morgan Stark gets Iron Man still feigning unconsciousness, but fully charging the armor into Big M's office. Morgan's like, okay, we good? And he's like, yes, your debt is now paid in full. And Iron Man's like, that's my cue. And he gets up and he starts punching people and they start to shoot him. He doesn't let them. Whiplash opens the room up with his whip. He uh, whips his way through a metal door. And um, no, no, that's not in the room. He's just another place just whipping stuff. He sees on the monitor that Iron Man is causing troubles. So he decides to go help them. Meanwhile, the big M, um, what does it do? He s pushes a lever that slides a door shut. And now Iron Man is now sealed away in the same room as Whiplash. Next, the warrior and the whip. <laughs> the way you say whip reminds me of that family guy thing. But I can't remember how that goes exactly. I don't remember either. My My... Say My family whip. makes fun of me. Whip. Whip. <laughs> whip. I was in a linguistics <laughs> class and she was talking about different things in English and how she's like, you know, we spell a lot of words with WH, but no one ever actually pronounces those differently anymore. Right. They don't aspirate their W's. And I'm just like, yeah. um, what do you, you do. mean? <laughs> yeah. So, yeah. Those last three panels um, are super cool. Oh, yeah. The like, slow turnaround with the whip. Mm -hmm. Yep. Um, uh, 
Um, but that's it. That's all I got. No. Um, <laughs> I thought at the beginning, the first page, I thought Jasper was like slapping him to wake him up or something. That's which was kind of funny. Yeah, it's like that's not going to work. But then it's like, oh no, this is that issue that Christopher Nolan read, I guess. Yeah, yeah, that's because that seems familiar. They do that in the Dark Knight. They have him electrify his mask or whatever. Yeah, it does look like he's slapping, but it's actually the opposite direction. He's jerking his hand away. Mm-hmm. Um, so I had written down that I completely forgot he had safeguards in his helmet, but maybe I just yeah. remembering that from Batman. Yeah, well, I mean, it makes sense, and it's a pretty awesome idea. Um, less so, maybe like them trying to blow off a helmet without killing his head. That seems mm-hmm. odd and impossible. Luckily, he was immune to all of it, so it was fine. But I'm pretty sure if that thing did blow off Tony Stark's helmet, then his head would also have been in trouble. I'm wondering if this big M is a person that we're going to recognize when they reveal him. God, I hope that little joke you made doesn't jinx us and it actually is the Mandarin. Cause As, yeah, I'm actually oh, wondering that too. No. <laughs> so is this, is, this is the same group that we've encountered multiple times already, right? Yeah, Count Nefaria was their original leader. Mm-hmm. And then he I mean, lost So that was power. Avengers. And, and the then, X-Men. And then the X-Men and then Daredevil. They were in Daredevil, yep. Because Masterminder or whatever wanted to take over the group. Um, so, yeah, they just kind of like come and go, I guess. I don't know. No one stopped them yet. Or they're ever rotating. Okay, should I click and see who Big M is? Because there's a link here. If you want. Oh! It's not the Mandarin. Okay, good. That's a little it's low somebody, rent for him. It's somebody we haven't met yet. Oh. But once we do, we like, oh! Merv Griffin. Exactly. It's Irving Thorbush, yo. Oh, wow. No. I forgot he had a cousin, a deadbeat cousin. Yes. Um, so it's like, oh, that guy again. Good. We need more of him. Well, I feel like I feel like there's a memory in my head saying he becomes a threat at some point, that Morgan Stark is actually not a good person. But maybe he is. It's weird, though, because Tony names his daughter Morgan after this character in the MCU. Well, he's not a good person because he's taking Iron Man to his death to clear his own debts. That's pretty bad. Right, but I was thinking more like like a formidable threat. <laughs> right, right. No, this is I know the guy what you just mean. Try, this yeah, is Schmo right. just trying to get by. He's right, right. Um, I love all the office fight. How like none of them have any chance, and those were some cool panels of just bouncing off him and stuff. The uh, the whiplash guy, he likes to whip metal things and slice through them, and they're like, if he can do that to steel, think what he can do the human body. And I'm like, okay, not for nothing, but a regular like leather whip. Already does pretty harsh, nasty things to the human yeah. body. So I feel like it was more foreshadowing the idea that this dude can whip Iron Man to death. Because mm-hmm. otherwise, people are reading this going, What's a whip going to do to Iron Man? Oh, that's true. That's true. He's not really threatening Morgan. The story is telling us he's a threat to Iron Man. Okay, that makes sense. He whips iron and he can break it. If only we knew someone who had iron for power. Uh, so what do we think of like, I mean, I think we talked about whiplash already on the show or did, were we talking about it after hours? I don't remember, but like, we've done it in passing his Iron Man two. Yeah. But we didn't talk about Iron Man two yet officially. No, but, uh, you know, whiplash. Cool. You know, my first memory of of whiplash was that, I don't know what issue cause I'm getting old and I can't remember issue numbers anymore. But sometime in the three hundreds, you open the page and the splash page is cap jumping over a whip. And then by panel three, he's beaten Whiplash. And the entire time, Whiplash is like, this is impossible. I've beaten Iron Man. That's my first (laughs) encounter with Whiplash was like he was just this throwaway dork villain that opened the story, you know? Well, okay. So I don't know if I knew about him before Iron Man 2 because I remember after Iron Man 2, I went and looked him up. 
Mm-hmm. And I was um, boggled, and not in a good way, at his costume design because uh-huh. his costumes his costumes a bit ridiculous. He's got the ponytail coming out of the of the um, the cowl, uh, and I don't, Gene Colan draws it pretty well in this issue. Yeah, it doesn't look that bad. But I've seen the the rendition I saw of him in another place. It was just I don't know, goofy. I guess they're like they're making him very swashbuckler. I guess that's their thing. Lots of drapery mm-hmm. and big boots and stuff, but yeah, yeah, he always looked kind of looked weird. It was kind of an interesting adaptation in the movie, like give him a little more cred, I guess. I don't know if it worked, but it was cool. You know, Morgan's driving and he's got Iron Man in the back seat, and um, he's like, "I don't even have to feel guilty. I'm not harming Iron Man. I'm just turning over to the Big M. Whatever they do to him is no concern of mine. My hands are clean. That's strange. I could have sworn him. I saw him move." And uh, Iron Man's in the back thinking, "I have no idea why he said all that out loud." But I heard it, and now I have a plan. <laughs> Why is Morgan talking out loud to nobody in that car? Good point. I also wonder how long Iron Man was awake. Was it during all the Jasper Sitwell stuff too? Was he sitting there going, "No, no, don't put a bomb on my head"? But I guess he can't. I guess he can't talk when he's unconscious or when the suit's frozen or something. I like to think he came to in the car and realized his situation as he was waking up, mm-hmm. and just kind of took advantage of it. Yeah, that Do works. you think Morgan's debts are going to get uncanceled after all this? Like, like no. he, the, the Big M says, you're canceled. You're good. You're good to go. And then Iron Man gets up and says, you know, bam, bam. So I don't know. Maybe Morgan's still in trouble. Yeah. It was Cap 319, by the way, in case anybody's wondering. I had to. Ah. I couldn't stop. During the Scourge saga. I have only heard of the Scourge stuff. I've never read it. Mm. But I have read Captain America in this book. Yes. Unless you have anything else about Iron Man or the Big No, M. no, that's good. Nice setup. Right. It'll be a fun whole next issue. They're going to fight. Whiplash. Mm-hmm. And will we find out who Big M is? I don't know. But what number are we on? 97. 97. Oh, gosh. So three more to go. Wait, two more to go. Two more to go. The arcs that we're starting in this issue are the ones that will take us through to the title launches. I knew that for Cap. I wasn't sure if Iron Man was going to like wrap up and have one more or something. Yeah, I just saw that when I went to the Big M's page, they have an appearance list that goes over into Iron Man 1. So, yeah, we're, uh, we're, 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 we're in the crossroads now. This is it. They're all on their way to their own titles. And so it begins, reintroducing the Black Panther. We're going to have another issue this episode that's called And So It Ends or the big finale or something. Mm-hmm. So it's like I think all you need sometimes are beginnings and endings. Those are just yeah, that's what Netflix thinks. Or if all you do is continued stories, then we got to celebrate those beginnings and endings and say, here's a jumping on or off point. Cap has just received an urgent call for help. But upon receiving the sight, he suddenly finds it's a trap. The rooftop's been mined. Phantasmagorically produced by Stan the Man Lee and Jack King Kirby. Embellished by Joe Sinnott, lettered by Artie Simic. And uh yeah, so the roof he's standing on explodes underneath him. He looks up and there's thugs. And one of them has a mask that's hiding his eyes. Could it be Loki? No. Um, that's a reference to the last episode, kids. You're uh, going to have to go back and same listen to 47. Yep. Same hat. Same jawline. Mm-hmm. Uh, but Cap climbs back up on the roof. He fights these guys. They try to fight him. Doesn't go too well for them. He stuffs the one guy down the chimney. The bruiser. They just keep on punching each other till the bruiser falls over. Meanwhile, in Wakanda... The Black Panther sees that his outposts, his sentry posts that like help to guard the perimeter of his land, one of them has been wiped out. After all these months of peace, 
this time of rebuilding, of rededicating ourselves to the task of creating a proud nation where once the jungle had flourished, again we are menaced by those who would destroy us. So somebody is attacking Wakanda. We don't know who it is, except they wear purple and white. Because as Black Panther's scouting around, he sees a whole bunch of people in Kirby tech armor showing up with guns. And um, Black Panther just starts punching them all. He's like, who's in charge of you? What's your mission? Why are you here? They're not talking. So we go back to Captain America, who is um, looking at the uh, rap sheets of the people that he uh, brought in, the ones he's fighting with. And they are both members of the syndicate. Captain America is high on their rub out list. So the doctor looks him over and um, he's like, you know, might be good for you to take a vacation for a while so we can round up these syndicate guys and get them behind bars. And Captain America is like, no, I've never yet turned my back on a fight except for two issues ago, but I'm over that now. Um, and so he drives off. The police captain gives him a ride. says, I hope you take you know, into consideration what I said, drops him off in town. Uh, he goes home to Avengers mansion, chills on the uh, love seat. Thinks about taking a nap, thinks about Agent 13, whose actual name he has no idea. I just think of her as she. And just in case anybody hasn't been reading comics long enough, I'm just going to remind you, all I know about her is that she resembles this other girl I loved. That's the only thing I know. I loved her. I lost her. This other girl comes along who looks like her. I'm going to go get her. And maybe I'll feel better. Uh, Anyways, so meanwhile, the she that we are discussing... Uh, Agent 13 is getting herself ready to go on a mission. She's like, I called Captain America twice, tried to get in touch with him, but he didn't answer. Oh, well, I'm going to do my job. I've captured this um, uh, German agent, Miss Krull, and she's going to go replace him. She's all dressed as like a German. What is it? I want to say school teacher. But she's class, dressed like, like an Irma Krull. Oh, become Irma Krull, the most deadly female spy ever to reach these shores. So she... Uh, Meanwhile, she goes off to do that mission. Captain America uh, goes upstairs to the not Quinjet yet, and there's a voicemail. Black Panther calling saying, hey, um, we've been attacked, and I could really use some help. We're being invaded. And Captain America's like, all right, sounds good. I'll be over there in 53 minutes. And so he takes off, and uh, yeah, he's like, I get to meet the Black Panther. That's going to be super cool. Next issue, the shock of a lifetime. Uh, yeah, that was the Wakanda thing that he sent to Cap because he's a pimp. Because he has lots of money. Because he has, has lots, lots of, of money and power and technology. Um, yes. So Cap is on his way to his first title since the fifties. Yeah. Iron Man's never had his own title, so that's should he should be even more excited. But I didn't think about that. Captain America gets his first though. Iron Man has to wait longer. Mm. Poor Iron be an Man. Extra month. Are you aware of that? Are you aware of the structuring that like Iron Man and Submariner don't get their own titles right away? They have to wait no. an extra month. I thought they all just came out at the same time. No, no, that's not. <laughs> I, don't, I don't know why this happens, but there's a month where one suspense person, Captain America, gets his own title. Mm. One astonished person, the Hulk, gets his own title, and they keep the numbering. Meanwhile, the also rans Iron Man and Submariner, they get a one shot that month. Then the next month, Iron Man oh. one and Submariner one happen. We have wondered. How did they de- how they decided who gets to keep the numbering? You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Like, uh, why would it be Cap? Because Iron Man was in this book first. It should be neither of them really. Neither of them started with number one, so it's forever going to be a messed up count, regardless. Right. 
But uh, I was going to say, in suspense, Iron Man leads 97, so he's going to lead 99. So he wouldn't lead 100. That'd be Captain America's uh, issue. Ah, so it's just but, every other one, maybe? But that logic doesn't hold for the Hulk. No. Because the Hulk is in charge of 99, which means he'll be in charge of 101, which means... Now, nowadays, a number one is the big seller, but I believe back in this time, they thought that a higher number sold better because that meant like the magazine had stability and, and like obviously was good, you know, Mm -hmm. it made it to 100. So maybe they were just putting who they thought would be the bigger seller and the higher number. Maybe that actually could very well be a Captain America being the bigger draw and Hulk being the bigger draw than their partners. Actually, I like that reasoning a lot. That seems reasonable to me. Although that's the case. I would have picked the other way because then it's like, well, Iron Man and whole Iron Man and Submariner need all the help they can get, so let's give them the bigger number. Anyway, we weren't there. We'll never know unless we interview nope. somebody who would have been in but charge of that. I don't even after know. choosing Captain America as my least favorite last month. This was a big step up. Yes, it was fun. the 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 roof fight is fun. I don't know who the syndicate are or why they have such a uh, beef with him. Or do we know that already and I forgot? No, unless they're just the people who've been impersonating him for the last issue or so. But I don't know if it's that people or not. Well, that's the reason he came back is because all these syndicates were – the syndicate was trying to kill all his impersonators. Oh, that's right. So it's like that's why he keeps showing up at the police station because they keep wanting to like consult. We're really trying to get this syndicate, but they really have a uh, mat on for you. So I don't know. See, like he's picking stuff out of a lineup and stuff, whatever, or out of a book. That's true. So I got, I got, I got my uh, logic rearranged because the people dressing up as him weren't bad guys last issue, so that didn't make no, sense. No, they were the victims. So uh, it's just I don't know if it's just a throwaway thing. I can't remember, or if this actually plays out into something interesting. Like I don't know. I can't remember honestly. Mm-hmm. So it'll be interesting. I hope it doesn't just go away because that's kind of weird. I, uh, I I know that they're moving forward with the Agent Thirteen stuff. Mm-hmm. It just feels achingly slow, and the fact that he still doesn't have a name for this woman who first showed up in issue like sixty-five or something. Mm-hmm. It's three years later, and she's still a mystery woman. That's bizarre. It's achingly slow yet stupidly fast all at the same time. They have they're they're having both things. Oh, because they're rushing headlong into marriage whenever they don't even know each other's and names. And his yet. obsession with her too. Like it'd be cool yeah. if. If she's been around a long time and they just haven't been able to date or whatever, but like he's just ready to quit for her and mm-hmm. wants to marry her and yet knows nothing. So it's, it's more than just a crush you can't get out of your mind. He's willing to like make life choices for this woman's sake. <laughs> exactly. So it's sort of a weird on both ends. But I like that dress up scene. That was really cool. Like she's like setting herself up for that cover on Captain America 100. Uh, and she's got like her victim in the closet. That's pretty sinister. <laughs> like tied up in the closet. Just gonna leave her there. Uh, we got Wakanda. We got um, Black Panther fighting these mm-hmm. mysterious tech people. I don't remember where this goes. Do you remember this arc? I kind of have an idea of who the bad guy is, which is why he summons Cap. But I probably will just not say for now because I'm not exactly sure. I only, only thing I people bad, I can think a, of would be the white ape person and um, Claw. Well, it's a cap villain because that's why Black Panther wants his help. Oh. So now you have to figure out which cap villain. Dun, dun, dun. Okay. I'd figure that out. All righty. Um, what else? What else? What else? It's the Tumblr. No, I don't know. <laughs> 
I don't know. I, that's good. It's just that they're both of these stories are pretty good setups, so, which is probably the point because they're leading them into you know future titles. So, oh yeah, I, I did just find the line because in some strange way the danger is connected with you. Whatever dread secret is locked behind this deadly invasion, mm-hmm. only you hold the key. Because I don't think Black Panther and Captain America have ever met. No. So it'd be weird for him to summon him for no reason. So it was like because I found out it's your guy, so you come over here and take care of it. Okay. Yeah, Captain America says in the last panel, I get to go meet the Black Panther. I was thinking while I was recapping, how did this happen? How is it that? Because <laughs> normally all he knows so far is the Inhumans and the Fantastic Four, I think. Mm-hmm. All right. Shall we move on to uh, to Hulk Inude? Yeah. Stories? Okay. Tales to Astonish, number 99, The Incredible Hulk. The Incredible Hulk and the Submariner. When the monster wakes. Um... Aided by the Hulk, the evil lord of the living lightning, has captured General Thunderbolt Ross, Ross's missile base. Then, in order to halt the general's resistance, his daughter is placed in the same cell as the Incredible Hulk. Produced by Stan, the man Lee, and Mary, the she, Severin. <laughs> I still can't get over that. Inked by John Tartaglioni, lettered by Sam Rosen. Um, so guess what happens? We kind of predicted it last issue. Nothing bad. Because the Hulk likes Betty. We all know that. So he wakes up and that freaks out Thunderbolt. And they're like holding Thunderbolt. And like the Lord of the Lightning's like, see, see, the Hulk's going to do something bad. And they open the they open the door. Or he says, surrender the base to me. And Ross is like, never. So Lightning guy opens the door because he thinks he can boss the Hulk around because he's convinced the Hulk that he's his friend. And he's like, kill this woman. And Hulk blinks, and he's like, well, I'm not going to do that. And then Betty's like, actually, Hulk, I think this is the bad guy. He's like, works for me. So he grabs the Lord of Lightning and tosses him against the wall. Um, And so they, like, um, shoot him, I think, with something. Oh, they have lightning blasters. That's why he's the Lord of Lightning, because all his men have lightning blaster guns. And they shoot the Hulk, and he's already weak, I think, still. So he turns into Bruce Banner. Um, while that's all happening, one of the guards who's watching, supposed to be watching, um, Glenn Talbot is kind of actually peeking out the door, wondering what's going on with this Hulk scenario. So while he's doing that, Glenn sucker punches him and then dresses up as him. And then while the Lord of Lightning is escorting Bruce, Thunderbolt Ross and Betty down a hallway, Glenn rescues them. And it's kind of awesome. But then he Mm -hmm. also yells, then he also kind of yells at Bruce for like, it being all his fault, which in a way it kind of is because this time the Hulk attacked the base and all that. Um, so then what happens? They do escape. Most of them escape the Lord of Lightnings, I mean, and they have they they have like a, a missile base or something, and they're going to shoot the missiles and kill everybody or something like that. That's what they threaten. So Bruce is like, oh, if only I could be the Hulk again, I could take care of this. And, and Thunderbolt Ross is like, hey, you know, did we ever tell you that that Gamma device thing that you had? We moved it here at some point. He's like, oh, really? Cool. Let me stand in it. Turn it on. And they turn it on. Instantly makes him turn to the Hulk. By the way, Glenn's like, and, you know, rightly so, like, what would happen? How do we know you're not going to uh, attack us when you turn to the Hulk? And Bruce Banner kind of dismisses him like, just relax. It'll be fine. And he turns to the Hulk and the Hulk's like, nobody lies to me. And he jumps through the roof and he springs on over back to the Lord of the Lightning's lair and he destroys everybody, and then he picks up a big giant tank thing and throws it into an atomic pile, 
which blows up the entire lair slash volcano, presumably killing everybody. Um, and Thunderbolt Ross and his peeps are flying over it like to see what happened. And they're like, boy, that was a big blast. Nobody can survive that. But then it cuts to like a passed out Hulk underneath all the rubble. And it says the end question mark question mark. So yeah, I like nothing bad one. happened with, uh, with, with Betty and, and Hulk. That's good. We all knew that was coming, but I kind of enjoyed it anyway. Yeah. I didn't want, I did not want them to have anything bad happen. Um, this is another change of format because the Hulk is normally second story in this book and he's third, he's first today because mm-hmm. he's on the cover. Mm-hmm. Um, we haven't I, had a lot of uh, Betty and Hulk interaction. So this was kind of satisfying to me. Yeah. I was thinking the same thing that we get Hulk thinking about, like Betty thinks about Bruce more than anything. Uh huh. Betty doesn't usually occur to Hulk. I wasn't entirely sure exactly how he would react. Um, because we just haven't seen them together very much. But happily, it was good. She's like scared of him. But then in her thought bubble, she's like, but I got to show him that, you know, I trust him. So I got to get over this whole cowering in the corner business and reach out and like touch him and stuff. And then he's I think later that tracks. Like, huh? Yeah, it works for me. And then the Hulk's like, I believe whatever the girl tells me. So it's like, okay, cool. We're at that stage now of his development. Well, yeah, because he, <laughs> it doesn't take him long to imminently trust a person. Mm-hmm. You break his trust and he will never forgive you, mm-hmm. but he will trust you immediately with very little reason. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, I like that with Betty because he is scary. He is a giant monster. Yeah. You, you, you hope it's going to go well. You think it's going to go well, but at the end you're in the room with a dragon who can breathe fire and that's bad. And there hasn't been a lot of history to prove that he won't hurt her. Eventually right. there will be, but not yet. Um, Talbot dresses up as the Lightning Lord, and then he calls Lightning Lad and Lightning. I Lass think that was super region. cool. Like he was almost the hero of the story in a way. <laughs> yeah, if not for his like chump attitude at the end. Yeah, this was all neat stuff. Like he's still like an actual. He's not. He's not a. Uh, I feel like in the cartoon he was a bumbling weasel jerk guy, but like this dude actually is a good soldier or yes. has skills anyway. Yeah, he's shown himself pretty competent. He rarely does anything that upsets Ross. Mm-hmm. Um. He just seems seems possibly like the most one note of all of them. Mm-hmm. Like he doesn't really change his tune very no. much with the situation. He thinks that Bruce is a traitor. He thinks the Hulk is a traitor, and anything that happens just reinforces those notions, regardless of whether they should. Yeah, but to be fair, like all the Hulk supporting cast is kind of like one note right now. Yeah, it's kind of like. Betty is scared for Bruce and Thunderbolt Ross either wants to get the Hulk or he's done chasing the Hulk. Those are his two options. (laughs) I think it was funny that he's like, Glenn's like, you know, if we turn you into the Hulk, how come, uh, why won't you attack us? And Bruce is like, uh, you could always say I told you so. It's like, that is not a good enough answer for me. (laughs) I cannot tell you I told you so if you kill me, you know? Right. It's the irony of death is not being able to get to enjoy the fact that you're resting. So does Bruce then think that maybe in some ways he could control the Hulk's direction now? Or is he just being flippant? Um, oh. I think it's a matter of pointing the gun in the right direction. Mm-hmm. I think he he can he figures they can probably do that. They don't put it in those terms in this mm-hmm. issue, which they have done in other stories. Yeah. But I, I think that's where his mind is. Mm-hmm. If we can just get the Hulk, then we could probably get him to help. Yeah. So he killed a whole base full of people, right? I mean, come on. Yeah, and they think they killed the Hulk, right? At the end there? 
<laughs> well, I'm going to say that's probably not true, but like those guys didn't live. The whole Lightning Legion is dead now in that, in that <laughs> volcano. Yeah. Well, they're always saying the like whole- the Hulk never accidentally kills anybody, but it's like, I think he just accidentally killed a bunch of people. Oh, you're right. Because he totally threw the missiles on the tank into the stuff. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So, he just physically, directly wiped out this entire, okay, there you go, 80s, 90s Hulk fans. Hulk yeah. just murdered a base. There you go. Let's put that one down. Okay. Whether intentional or not, the whole point is that the argument is that the Hulk is dangerous because he just runs around thrashing everything. So it's his fault. Yep. Nothing that lives could have survived that blast. Nothing, even the Hulk. He just absorbed it because it was a gamma atomic blast or something. All right, should we move on? I'm ready. All right, when falls the Holocaust? Speaking of bombs and stuff, the die is cast once before the Submariner was born. A subsea explosion led to pitched warfare between the noble Atlanteans and the surface men. Now, history has repeated itself, and a series of devastating depth charges has obliterated the once proud city of Atlantis, momentarily stunning even the mighty Prince Namor. Let it be thus proclaimed. Stan Lee proudly presides over an Archie Goodwin, Dan Atkins, twin talent triumph. Inspirationally increased, inscribed, sorry, by L.P. Gregory. And just to make it really official, Imperious Rex. Um, Archie Goodwin. Archie Goodwin. Archie Goodwin. I don't know what happens in this. Let's see. Uh, So, like, this fleet goes off to kill the surface men but then while he's worrying about that this other door opens and a super warship comes out and he's like oh no it's the hurricane inducer why are they using the hurricane inducer that thing's not ready that thing's crazy i need to stop it they don't even understand what they have for some reason um 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 so then like these the writ so they're now there's like two things oh my god this is kind of complicated there's the original armada that went out after the submarine and then there's the hurricane inducer that's behind them. And then the submariner is behind that. So the submarine like shoots some stuff and uh, that somehow makes it so the hurricane inducer can pass them and they see submariner attacking it and they think, oh, you're like still a bad guy. And he sneaks his way in and he takes out the crew. But somehow the hurricane inducer was already set in motion and it's ready to do its its galaxy quest thing that nobody knows understands or something like that. He's trying to stop it, <laughs> and it doesn't work. And then one of the guys isn't as unconscious as he thought, so he shoots him in the back. And he's like, "Oh no! Now I just made it worse." Um, 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 so all the guys jump out of the hurricane inducer and swim away. And the armada get, the armada gets to watch all this, but they notice that Submariner didn't come out, and he like steers it into a wall until it blows up and then they're like wow maybe he wasn't such a disloyal atlantean after all i think he just saved all our lives because that thing was going to overload and blow us all to pieces and then the people in the submarine are like it looks like the fleet backed off and went home so we don't have to declare war on atlantis now um and then submariner is actually really alive next namor versus the hulk yeah something like that namor is dead they think namor is dead yes but Namor's they, off they didn't to see him surface. fly out of the thing when it blew up. Okay, so um, <laughs> new writer. Okay. Archie Goodwin. Poor guy has to take over on this last installment of a kind of a convoluted <laughs> story arc. So he's been writing at Warren for a few years. He's been writing the majority of the stories for books like Eerie and Creepy. Mm. Um, he's about to take over Iron Man for a good while. Mm. 
And then after that, he's going to take a break from Marvel for a chunk of the 70s. But of course, down the road, he's like one of the great high muckety mucks at Marvel, Archie Goodwin. Okay. I think he's one. Of, I think he's the EIC at one point. Um, EIC. Editor in chief. Yeah, I know. Oh. It's just uh, a song. Sorry. I love, I love Namor. I love him because he's like, they're going to go fight the humans. But I wanted to be in charge of fighting the humans. <laughs> and that's why he goes after the ships before he ever realizes they have the hurricane thing. He's like, no, I wanted to do this. He is so all over the place on this fighting the humans thing, isn't he? Like, unless it's his idea, it's a bad idea. I think he's been determined to do it. He's just gotten really distracted a lot. The huh. plunderer was a really long distraction. Okay. And even at the end here, he's going to go fight the humans to try to get back into Atlantis's good graces. Yes, he is, isn't he? All by himself. All by himself. Which he's not done before. Or has. I don't know. Now, I was surprised that the plunderer was missing. Um, I went back and looked at his last scene in the previous issue, and he drops an, uh, one of his bombs on Atlantis, and he's like, okay, I guess I better leave before this one blows up, otherwise it might take me too. And he swims off in his ship. But I didn't realize he was exiting the story at that point. We're not going to see the plunderer again until Kazar starts getting solo stories. So there is no next on this. So how does this work again? Next issue at the end of the book? Isn't this 99? This goes to 101. Oh, this goes to 101. So is next issue going to be one big story, or are they still going to split it up? Because it says Namor versus the Hulk. Yes, they're doing one big story next issue. Okay. Which I heard from random person on the internet that that was actually the plan for this book was to turn it into a Namor Hulk team-up book. That seems really bizarre to me, mm. except that's basically the Defenders. Yeah. So it is bizarre, but it gets used again later. We just mix in some magic and issue five, bring in Silver Surfer, and you've got a team. Just basically putting together the uh, the uh, good bad guys, or the bad mm -hmm. good guys, however you want to word it. Yeah, the bad good guys. I like that. The anti-culture guys. Okay, well. You really didn't have a lot of this, did you? <laughs> no, I kind of didn't. It just sort of like whatever. It was a weird okay, way to okay. end it, kind of. I liked this one a bit more. Namor is trying to save his people at the cost of his own good name. He spends this entire issue trying to fight his own people because they're going to use weapons that could kill them if they use them. Why do they make ships that they don't understand or can control or whatever? That's weird. This is the second weapon they've had. The first one was a giant monster. Mm. It's like, stop doing that, Atlantis. What the hell? This is true. This is true. Hurricane inducer. Don't don't put it on a boat if it's not what ready What does it even used. do? Did it ever really say it induces hurricanes, I guess? But isn't that bad for Atlantis, not so much the surface? Hurricanes are mostly a surface storm. Well, that's true. They don't really penetrate very deep into the water. Or if so, they do, Atlantis is at the bottom. Okay, so it creates hurricanes? Is that what we're mm -hmm. assuming? That's what I'm assuming. Creates a hurricane to attack the uh, the, the surface people with, with water. Okay, and that's bad because... It would... Well... I think, it, I think that's bad for the Atlanteans because it was not a fully functioning device. Oh. It was dangerous to use. It's bad for the surface people because hurricanes are bad. No, I was just trying to figure out why, why Namor was so against it. But like, oh, only because, because of, it, yeah, it was just a dangerous device. Okay. They didn't really sell that very well, but I don't know. It was just kind of confusing because there's like all these ships are purple. Mm -hmm. And it's like, well, what's going on? First, the other Armada's ahead, and then they're behind, and then they're just kind of like witnesses, but then there's some shenanigans with getting around mountains and stuff. It's like, okay, I don't know. It's sort of weird. They had this big to-do about like ostracizing him from their from their place, and then they've never really dealt with that. No, they haven't. 
And where's Dorma and all that at this point? That all just seemed to go away, too. Uh, she was last issue. She was part of the decision. She was starting to doubt her decision that maybe Namor wasn't as involved with the plunder as it appeared. Mm-hmm. Uh, we just haven't gone back and seen her. I guess she's probably helping pick up the pieces because Atlantis is in a shambles. Yeah. I guess this one, this is one of those places where it, it re- rang with me a bit more than it rang with you. I guess That's so. Fine. Yep. But we'll speaking of big happens. green people like the Hulk, we've got this big yeah. green person on the cover of Fantastic Four. Yeah. That isn't, wasn't that kind of a jarring cover? Like, I thought this was part three of Thing Being Weird. Well, who's this guy? Right. And it's it's actually but it's it makes the, sense. This is the last page on the cover again, isn't it? Is it the last page? It is it's the very uh, last page. Yeah, you're right. It's the last act. <sighs> when fall the mighty. Mm-hmm. Okay, but he's also on the first page. He is, but he's not doing what they're showing. Mm-mm. I guess you know having him on the first page helps give him some context for the cover. Mm-hmm. Are the fabulous FF truly defeated at last? You won't know this issue because this is when it looks like they are defeated. You'll find out <laughs> next issue. But it's called When Fall the Mighty, fearing for the safety of Dr. Santini, the mad thinker's helpless captive. Reed and Johnny lead the race to his last known hideout. Dr. Santini's hideout or the mad thinker's hideout? Your pronoun precedent antecedent is ambiguous. Um, only to find a green android with a flash on his chest saying, warning, enemy approaching. Stay back. The place is guarded by the th- thinker's killer androids. Too bad none of them are awesome. They've already been alerted. Look out for their shock weapons. How do they have shock weapons? I don't know. It's time for another standing ovation for Smile and Stan Lee and Jolly Jack Kirby, who have given us another tintinabulating thriller. Superbly supported by Joe Sinnott, letter, inker and Artie Simic letterer. Okay, so the Fantastic Two, Reed and Johnny, because Ben is crazy and Sue's pregnant, are taking down these green androids with the help of a squadron of New York City Police Department. In another part of the building, Mad Thinker is looking on, thinking about how uh, his predictions are in 2.07 minutes. I will have defeated Richards and the flaming teenager. He turns on a fire hydrant to put out the flaming torch's flames. Meanwhile, down on the streets, The Thing is reading newspapers about how The Thing is running amok. There's a citywide dragnet, but all he has to do is hide in the corner, keep his head behind the newspaper like the fugitive, and Dr. Richard Kimball will be able to walk the streets in freedom. Okay, so um, he crosses the street, causes a traffic jam, gets mad at them and starts tearing up the cars, which is not keeping your head down, Dr. Kimball. And he attracts the attention of the police, but he decides that uh, he can just go down into the sewer um, to run from them. So he does that and like throws the sewer at them and that stop. Meanwhile, back at Fantastic Four headquarters, the women are sad about what else is going on. Crystal is keeping Sue company uh, and she's like, you know, You'll be okay. The baby needs you. Um, you're not doing anything to help to help Reed and Johnny, but that's the way everybody wants it, so you're fine. Um, meanwhile, the fight continues. Torch has gotten his fire back. Uh, he gets hit by an electro wall barrier. Uh, the thinker pulls out a who's a watch it. Um, the play by play is a lot of play by play. There's a lot of action in this. Uh, Thing makes his way through the subway tunnels. Doctor Santini finally gets free from his captivity and helps fight against the mad thinker. He helps take him down. Um, what else? There's an energy barrier keeping Johnny from helping, but they do finally take down the thinker and they get him arrested. Meanwhile, Ben is uh, making his way to Fantastic Four headquarters so he can go up there and beat up the Fantastic Four. Meanwhile, no, not the Fantastic Four headquarters. He's at Dr. Santini's uh, mad thinker headquarters. 
he bursts in through the wall and there are Reed and Johnny and he starts fighting them and the fight goes outside and the fight goes into the air because Reed latches onto a helicopter. Um, Mad Thinker is sitting in his cell thinking, I'll have the last think today. He pushes a button on his Superman signal watch and an android comes to life and the android starts uh, barreling its way towards Fantastic Four headquarters. Uh, meanwhile, the fight with the Fantastic Three has also made its way to Fantastic Four headquarters and um, they get blasted by a something. They collapse to the ground. Sue walks in, sees all three of her friends apparently dead and an android bursting through the wall about to attack her, just like on the cover and next issue. And so it ends. Please, please, please let next issue be Susan Storm destroying this robot and then the guys pulling their heads out of their butt and going, oh, you're still viable. Yeah, I want that. I don't want six months of her like being stuck at home. That's just going to be really boring. Mm-hmm. It's at least a little bit made up for whenever they add a fourth person back to the team and she's at home, you know, being the mom. Uh, it doesn't do a lot for her as a character, but at least it brings, you know. Well, okay, that's another option. If they want to keep Sue an invalid, like Crystal's also here. So can Crystal destroy the bad robot? I'd be fine with that too. Why isn't Crystal helping with her extremely massive levels of power? Yeah. So let's hope she does next issue. And then they invite her onto the team or something. That'd be cool. That would be cool. Um, yeah. So this is one long fight. Mm-hmm. It's not as impressive as I think some other fights have been. I did like the thing stuff. I liked him sort of just like angrily rumbling around town, trying to figure out what to do mm-hmm. and making his way to kill his friends. He keeps coming up with lots of excuses to not kill innocent people. So it's like deep down, this chemical thing isn't really working very well. Right. It was kind of like last issue, whatever. He mm-hmm. could have killed Johnny, but that he didn't. Mm-hmm. There's actually three kind of separate. This crams a lot in because we got the fight with them trying to get in to beat up the thinker. Um, then if you want to count Fantastic Mr. Fantastic beating up the thinker as a separate fight. And then you got Thing all of a sudden showing up and them fighting and curing him. And then it ends with the robot wanting to fight. So it's like fight, 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 fight. It's a multi-act fight. What did the thinker say? I can't remember. It was really ludicrous. When he goes hand-to-hand with Mr. Fantastic and he says, therefore, my final prediction, total victory for the thinker in exactly one minute and 14 seconds is like the dude is holding no weapons and he thinks he can beat Mr. Fantastic in a fist fight. Mm-hmm. It's like how that, that – my prediction is 100% you will lose because how? How could any regular human beat Mr. Fantastic in a fist fight? Yeah. He's made of rubber. Um, it says because he's bad, you're battered and bruised, but that doesn't really make any sense. Mm-hmm. Although he, um, no, he totally wins that one on his own. The page before that, it's the same, same thing that always comes up with this guy. Have you forgotten? All my predictions are based upon computerized studies aided by my memory banks and my thinking machines. I can never be wrong, mm-hmm. but there's one thing you cannot program yourself for thinker. <laughs> It's the human factor, which yeah. always contains the element of surprise. You know this. We've told you this. We even bragged last time about how you finally knew how to compensate for it, and you didn't. But yeah, it's his... Page 12 is like Mr. Fantastic's attempt at being Captain America. That whole speech. Yeah. The fighting yeah, spirit. No man goes down. As long even as he fights for what can he take believes the in. <laughs> the spirit yeah. can... No computer can defy, can stop a spirit, or you know, the spirit of human... 
whatever. And he just keeps punching and punching all Kirby. Like, that's totally a Captain America page. And it's kind of letting out his anger. He talks about next on page, like, he's the one who made poor Ben turn bad. Mm-hmm. That's why I busted his face. Mm-hmm. It's interesting so, when Johnny depowers and he's wearing just like a college clothes. <laughs> or a skipping class college clothes. Yeah. Yeah, he hasn't gone back to college, has he? No, no it's been a while. No more Wyatt Wingfoot, I guess. Uh, this Dr. Santini character actually does show up again. Okay. He's in an Avengers story. He's Tony Stark's attending physician. I thought he was just a chemist. Yeah, that's weird. But maybe he's a chemist with an MD. <laughs> I don't know. Maybe. But um, down the road a bit, Tony Stark has a heart attack and Santini's tending to him. Interesting. And you would think he would need not a chemist, but like an MD slash engineer or something. Because mm-hmm. he's got the whole heart shrapnel thing going the on. shrapnel thing going on. And the thinker is in prison. He is out of the story now. It's just his android. Somehow he's going to get free because he and Egghead and the puppet master are going to team up. God. In about a year and a half. That is a horrible crime team. Well. Throw in the mole man um, as the leader and you've they got do it. cross over three different comic series with it too. <laughs> oh my God. <laughs> um, They're all kind of the same character, aren't they? That's weird to team them up like that. Egghead, I think, is the most useless of them. But Puppet Master and Egghead have like the same design. And I guess, yeah, I guess Thinker and Puppet Master have already teamed up. Yeah, they have. They have. Yeah. All right. Um, Fantastic 470, are we good? Um, we are good. So that means we have to finally finish the Factor 3, huh? Yes. X-Men you number 39. New costumes. New thrills. The end of the Dread Mutant Master or of the X-Men. Don't miss the fateful finale. It's called the fateful finale, by the way. Um, an embattled Cyclops and Iceman are taking on an entire missile base somewhere in the south. Western U.S., while the remaining three X-Men, which would be Angel, Marvel Girl, and Beast, are trapped behind the Iron Curtain along with the unconscious blob. Why? Read on, McDuff. Okay. Stan Lee enthusiastically endorses this Roy Thomas Don Heck excitement-laden epic. We're not sure just what Vince Coletta, Inker, and Artie Semek letterer think of it, though. So, yeah. um, Is this Camille? Is this Changeling? It doesn't matter. Somebody's watching all this. I think it's the uh, the mutant master who's watching both parties do their thing. Um, Cyclops and Iceman basically escape into the room that controls the doohickey that Factor 3 needs in order to take over the missiles or something, and Iceman freezes it. When all of a sudden, the boards and stuff come to life, and like these inanimate objects come out and start grabbing them. They're like, what? This doesn't make any sense. How is this possible? We can't fight it. And then Master Man comes out and they go, oh, sure, we can fight it. It's illusion. Thank God he revealed himself. Um, and then, but also Unis is there. And uh, yeah, so they have to fight that. Meanwhile, we're in behind the Iron Curtain and Marvel Girl and Beast and Blob and Angel are all in prison. Marvel Girl tele kinetically lifts a guard over to the prison cell so that beast can choke him out. They steal the key. They escape. The soldiers still think they're like, you know, terrorists or invaders or something. So they're not cooperating with everything the X-Men are saying. So they finally just have to fight them. And Marvel girl like steals the suitcase that has the time bomb in it. I guess there's a bomb or something. Uh, Then blob of course 
inconveniently wakes up and he starts fighting the X-Men and they're like arguing with him like, dude, you can't survive bombs either. Why are you here? And he's like, I could probably survive a bomb. He's like, no, this is a really powerful bomb. You probably can't survive it. And he's like, well, I don't know. I'm going to take the case anyway. Um, but then he's like, you know, maybe you're right. And he tosses it and he runs away and the angel grabs the the satchel or the suitcase and flies into the air and throws it into the sky and it kabooms. And then the rest of the soldiers are kind of like, maybe these X-Men are what they say they are because they just saved our life, obviously. Uh, meanwhile, Iceman and Cyclops fight Unis and Mastermind. And basically to get out of it, they just create like vapor from Iceman's ice and leave because no one can see. And so long story, not short enough, I guess. They like <laughs> – all the X-Men eventually end up back at Mastermind's lair right around the same time. But then so do the bad guys. So they start fighting some more. Um, but then like suddenly Professor X is there and everybody's like, how'd you escape? He's like, never mind that. Mutant Master is your enemy. Can't you see that? He's – He's the reason that the mango disc, mango disc, the magno disc were left there and didn't explode last issue because he wanted the X Men to escape and the and the bad guys are like, really? Let's join forces then. And next thing you know, the bad mutants and the good mutants are all fighting mutant master and his robots. Um, Banshee wakes up and is somehow also untethered uh, anymore and he's like how did I get here why am I free oh look robots let me try screeching at them turns out his screeches are really good at destroying robots so he just plows right through them and then as he gets close to mutant master he's like let me up that screech a little higher and see what happens and suddenly there's this big explosion and it turns out mutant master that's just like an outfit and underneath is John's favorite animal an octopus it's not um, an octopus. But it's like a green, weird alien octopus squid yeah, thing. Um, so now everybody's like, oh, we're really on to you. So they all start fighting Unis and Banshee and Beast and everybody. And then it turns out Professor X, the guy who was pretending to be Professor X, wasn't even Professor X because the real Professor X shows up. That guy who was pretending to be Professor X is Changeling. That's his power. He can change. So not just a clever name. And he had decided that Mutant Master needed to be stopped, so he turned to Professor X to, like, rally the troops. Um, they all defeat Mutant Master. He theoretically – he seemingly commits suicide because he, like, uh, failed and he couldn't take it. But they're not really sure. It's hard to tell if he's alive anyway because he's just this blob of mush. Um, so then the bad guys are like, we're not going to fight you anymore, but you better not try and capture us. And the X-Men are all – and Professor X are like, yeah, that's cool. When next we meet, we will battle again. And then uh, Professor X has a wistful moment of like, someday there will be no evil and good mutants, just mutants, and we'll all work together. And that's how it should have ended. But it didn't because the next page, Gene, they all go home and Gene's like, hey, I forgot I made you guys costumes before all this Fact of Three stuff started. Here's your costumes. And they all have individual costumes and they're all kind of like super unenthusiastic about them sort of. Um, Beast in particular seems to not like his. And then Angel's like, huh, someday you might be blue, so you should be happy. Next issue, the mutants and the monster. I thought Warren was like sarcastic. I look like a real angel, I, I, I guess. Yeah. Because Warren has the worst. <laughs> Warren has the worst costume of this lot. I like these costumes, except for his. It's fine. But, you know, I was kind of cool with them dressing like a team. And that's never going to happen again, really. Right. Not right. to this it's level. True. Um. They kind of make fun of the last costume change they had. Like, 
what are you going to change this time? Like, give us, like, blue belts or something? But Mm -hmm. even though the difference between these costumes and the original costumes is a subtle difference, Mm -hmm. I think it's a definite improvement. Yeah. You know, you don't realize there's a change because it's the same color scheme, but it's enough of a change that I I really like these current ones. Well, and the reason it is now that we're adults, so you should be individuals. It's like, yeah, but you're also still a team. Shouldn't you feel like team players? But that's okay. Whatever. It's fine. They all have X belts at least. Yes, so we are all individuals. I'm not. <laughs> <laughs> so, I Factor don't understand. Three. I don't understand. Last issue, I was like, is Professor X controlling Mutant Master? Because things kept happening in the X-Men's favor. And then Chameleon's like, who do you think did all these things to help the X-Men? And then it turns out he's an alien and he just wanted to kill everybody. So it's like, well, why was he helping the X-Men then? I don't understand. What was all that about? No, Mutant Master wasn't trying to help the X-Men. Okay. Oh, as you were saying, Mutant Master was acting. Okay. I'm not saying this is a good plot, but Mutant Master was (laughs) acting like he was capturing the good X-Men to keep the bad X-Men on his side. He was really just trying to keep them goading along to get them to do this East versus West nuclear Holocaust attack thing. He was just playing both sides against the middle. But he didn't save the good mutants because he needed them still alive to help this thing continue. I see. Keep everybody um, distracted till he blows up the world? Right. And to help him arrange the blowing up of the world. Because mm. uh, and he didn't actually... Because we actually talked about the there was a big hole in the plan. And it gets pointed out in the story... How are you going to be happy whenever all the world is a nuclear wasteland? Mm-hmm. And they're like, we're going to rule over it. Rule over what? Yeah. And they just hadn't thought that through. Or how are you they were going to survive? They were going to die too. Yeah. Yeah. So Mutant Master was going to kill everybody. He was just taking advantage of the gullibility of the evil mutants, who now that Magneto's gone, have nobody telling them what to do. So once again, the X-Men served their purpose of stopping an alien invasion. I'm not saying it's always aliens. <laughs> But it's always aliens. But it's aliens. Yeah. And that's the title of the episode, y'all. There you go right there. Um, Yeah, I didn't love that reveal. It seemed like a little whatever. And then I started thinking about how long the story's been going on. And that was the reveal. mm -hmm. Aliens. Come on. Aliens. I didn't remember how the reveal played out. I remembered that Mutant Master was secretly an alien. I didn't Uh, remember that he was an alien completely hiding in a go-kart. Yeah. Um, Where'd Banshee go? Banshee's been hidden captive until the uh, like issue thirty five or but something. Like when everybody was splitting up, he's page thirteen is the last time he's screaming. He pretty much saved the day, by the way. And then he disappears. And then like no more Banshee. He's not standing there on page fourteen with anybody, and he doesn't go with the bad guys or the good guys. No, um, and the bit at the end where the Xaviers are pointing at each other, I thought was kind of a confusing because mm-hmm. it seems like if you just read the words, it seems like the real Xavier is saying that that is the true Xavier. Mm-hmm. So you should capture him. I don't know. Um, this is not the last time that Changeling is going to pretend to be Charles Xavier. Well, if you can not prove it by being not telepathic, it seems like a bad choice. This is true. Mastermind and Unis, you pointed out, were absent last issue. They were doing stuff. Doing stuff, they came yeah. On this issue, I, I must. I will say it was kind of neat that they all rallied to fight the common foe. That was kind of a couple cool pages there. Yes, I like that. Of the bad guys working with the good guys. Um, yeah, I don't know. I'm, now that I'm thinking about it, like Banshee, like as a character, has been mind controlled by this guy and then captured for the last twelve issues or something. And it's like, mm-hmm. don't we all want to know more about Banshee? And like, he 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 does a good showing in the fight, but then like, what the hell, man? 
go home with the X-Men. Hang out. Go spend time with them. They are your new friends. Yeah. I'm actually just looking to see when he next shows up. X-Men 658, probably. <laughs> um, oh, wrong Banshee. As some Western character. Mm. Uh, yeah, he's in 39. And then he's 58. God. Wow. That, what a weird ball drop on that. Yeah. His list is behind the scenes in 43, so he's somehow involved in the story in 43, but doesn't actually show up. I guess because in the future, the X-Men are the most, like, the most expansive universe in a way. Like, there's so many supporting characters and stuff. Like, it's just weird how yeah. little, little they have right now of that. And even when they get it, they just dismiss it. But I've been waiting for the new costumes. I really, really like this Marvel Girl outfit. I think it's pretty fantastic. Mm-hmm. Um, Angel loses, for sure. Angel is a bit, he's the first one to change into something new too. I think all of these guys keep their look until the series gets canceled, except the angel Cyclops. Yeah. I mean, like I think his belt buckle changes or something, but otherwise he's always been kind of like just the dude that's blue with the yellow underwear. Yeah. Solid blue. That's, that's his thing forever now. Basically mm-hmm. the X factor plays that's still blue and white. Mm-hmm. But I like this. You're all individuals. Yes, I am. Tall and the leader and somewhat introverted, so I will wear yellow underwear. This reflects my individuality, <laughs> you know. Like, like how? To, and that because like Angel straight up says it. Yes, I look like an angel now. Thanks. I guess. I guess. And I did like the thing at the end. She could have helped you live up to your nickname by knitting you a nice fur outfit. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, oh yes, just just, just you know, mm-hmm. tell the future. Yeah. I feel like none of them like their outfits. It could just be the way the art is, but they all look like they're standing there like jilted, except for yeah, except for Jean Grey who looks super happy. Yeah, that little panel across the middle of the page. Uh huh. It's like do to do to do. Uh, thanks. And then Beast in particular like looks all sourpuss in the end. It's like wow, you guys hate your outfits. That's kind of funny because I think Scarlet Witch is a way better designer, evidently, with the Goliath. Because Goliath looks pretty cool. I think the better pages of this issue are the ones in front of us. Okay. Yes. The or- unless you have more to say about the main no, story. No, no. I forgot there was another story. The origins of the Uncanny X-Men, Lonely Are the Hunted, another mutant-laden masterpiece by Stanley Editor, Roy Thomas Writer, Werner Roth Artist, outstandingly inked by John Verporten, and outlandishly yes. lettered by Al Kurzrock. Um so this takes place in the same time. Uh, remember last issue, they all saw the FBI saw a video of like this kid shooting a beam with his lasers, or shooting a rope holding a beam with his lasers, and then shooting the beam before it killed anybody. Um, well, now we pick up with that from Scott's point of view. Obviously, that was Scott. He's running from the crowd. He's hiding. He's thinking to himself, "This is the first time ever that laser beams have shot out of my eyes." Um, Star Trek's was- calling you. I know. Sorry. You know, what, you know what the problem with having that uh, is, is like now every time I hear that watching Star Trek, I think my phone is talking to me. Uh, <laughs> um, so where was I? Oh, yeah. So that's like the first time. Apparently, last issue was the first time that that's ever happened. So he's kind of freaking out about that. But he's also glad that he was able to disintegrate the burgers. He decides to jump a train, like just to get away from all this mob of crazy people. And because he doesn't know where else to go. Um Professor X, working with the FBI, tracks down that he is—he has an optometrist, or a, I say he, I mean you know Cyclops, Scott Summers has an optometrist. So he goes to visit. The optometrist is like, "Call it a hunch, but when his eyes were glowing, I thought something was weird about this guy." 
And he also had a headache. And the only thing I could do to get rid of that headache was to give him this pair of glasses that had a little bit of ruby quartz in it. I don't know why that worked, but it worked. Um, So Professor X is like, gosh, I hope I can find this kid. I'm really worried about him. We cut to Scott jumping off the train because he thinks he's pushed his luck enough. He smells something good cooking in the woods. He goes, finds some homeless guys, four of them. Two of them are really nice. Two of them try and pilfer him for his money. So they like pin him down. He doesn't have a wallet though because he's just a kid. Um, but before anything gets too bad, the police come along and chase the the what they call hobos off. Um, but then they're kind of like mean to Scott. They're like, well, I'm, I'm just here to protect you, kid. But then they put him in like a chokehold and they try and rip his glasses off because they want to see if he's the kid they're looking for. So, of course, that makes him zap and that freaks them out and they run away and he's stuck with his eyes blasting everywhere until he can find his glasses that were dropped on the floor. He runs deeper into the woods until something starts calling him, this weird, come here, lad, come here, um, like voice that's coming out. He ultimately figures out it's coming out of this cabin in the woods and so he just opens the door and there's a mysterious Mm -hmm. man there who says, you are like me. You are born to rule. Next ish, the first evil mutant. Spoilers. Spoilers. Um, yeah. So, like you were saying, he he's just recently had his first eye blast. That wasn't something he was used to having. Uh huh. Um, and last issue, I was not sure if the blast that brought down the weight was actually Scott or not. Mm-hmm. It was red, so they thought it was Scott. Um. But I thought maybe somebody else had done something and he had to save the day. But no, he had to save the day from his own mess up. Um, First mention of Scott's orphanage. Yes, he does talk about how he can't go back to the orphanage. I thought this was the first time ever it blasted, but now I'm not sure if I really read that or if I just made that up. Yeah, that's what it says. Okay. He blasted the um, the, uh, load and knocked it off the cable. So prior to this, he's been living in an orphanage and he's been having headaches and occasionally his eyes are apparently glowing. Mm-hmm. And that he was able, and that his doctor was able to figure out that ruby quartz. Is that the first time we've heard of ruby quartz? Yes. Awesome. And normally his ruby quartz glasses are going to be colored red because mm-hmm. ruby. Mm-hmm. Uh, they have not been. They're still just looking like regular sunglasses. But since they haven't changed the look, we can just retcon that the sunglasses he's had this entire time have been the ruby quartz sunglasses. And it just says the ones he's wearing had bits of ruby quartz. So maybe they upgrade that to 100% or something. Oh, yeah, maybe Uh, at some point, yeah. Like his sweater is made of ruby quartz, and it's totally red. (laughs) Sure. (laughs) He's wearing a stone sweater, sure. (laughs) Um, Okay, so speaking of this guy who gives him the glasses, Mm -hmm. trying to figure out, not entirely sure, because the Marvel fandom site makes an assertion that jives with what I kind of loosely understood in my head, but I couldn't find any hard evidence to support it. That this optometrist who gives him the Ruby Quartz glasses. It's a scroll. Ish is oh. Mr. Sinister. Oh, I like that idea. Obviously, if it's true. Yeah, obviously, Mr. Sinister is 15 years of comics in the future. Right. But to retcon the idea that he was here and that he was in disguise and that he gave him the glasses is something I, I feel like could be true, but I had a hard time finding. I have went to the X-Factor 35 issue where Scott and Gene are going through the orphanage, remembering everything. And um, Scott talks about, you know, he just says that he went to Washington and saw an optometrist, hmm. a specialist who gave him this Ruby Quartz glasses. So if it is ever confirmed that that's sinister, it wasn't in that issue. Well, but I, I like know. the idea because 
that would explain why a regular old optometrist could figure out that ruby quartz would do something. Right. Because Mr. Yeah, Sinister would knows. know. Yeah. Mr. Sinister would know. Um, and, you know, the police show up to help Scott. And you know how police aren't mm-hmm. trying to hurt you whenever mm-hmm. they hold you down against your will and try to force you to do stuff? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Seemed very on point. But I, I liked this. I liked both of these first two chapters of The Origins. I think it's off to a very strong start. Um, but then we have the first evil mutant, and I think he might be disappointing. For some reason, I thought these were all just to be like independent tales, you know? But instead, it's going to mm-hmm. be like a from here on out, this is how the X-Men are formed storyline. Yeah, I think each character gets so three or cool. four chapters. That's cool. I do not know who the first evil mutant is, so he has a ponytail. It, it's is not a Sebastian Saw. <laughs> Looks like it's not Sebastian Shaw. It's not? It should be, but it's not. Okay. Um, it's somebody you've probably never heard of, because oh. he only appears in this story and like a sensational She-Hulk story. Is this Submariner? He, he no. was evil once, kind of. He was evil. And this word first is very loosely applied based first. on Brett Conslater. Right. All righty. Speaking of, I don't know what we're speaking of, but should we go to Daredevil? Speaking of evil, let's go dared. to some mild evil. Let's go to some dared evil. Daredevil dies first. No, I wanted to lead the fight against the humans. No, I'm going to die. Daredevil dies first featuring the terrible threat of the Trapster. And guest starring, just try to guess, guess, just try to guess. I uh, I don't remember. I can't remember. I guess you know I've read the pages here. Wait, wait, wait. Right, that I doesn't even make sense then. Okay. Yeah. Let's. Oh, duh. I remember. Do you? Yes. Okay. Yes, yes. Hang Big in there, time. action lovers. Stan mm. the Man Lee and Gene the Dean Colon did this one just for you. Inked by Jay Tartaglioni, lettered by A. Simic, and now let's move. So we come in cold start. The, the ongoing Daredevil saga had come to a close. The annual probably fit in there after the end of all of that. And now we're uh start of a new story with Nelson and Murdoch in the offices of Nelson and Murdoch. And the trapster breaks in through the window, holds a gun on him and says, hey, I have questions. And Foggy feeling really, he's really feeling his oats after last issue. He jumps forward. It's like, bad guy, must stop him. But Trapster shoots him with glue and shoots Karen with glue. And now they're all glued up. And he turns like, hey, you're blind. I don't have to shoot you with glue. I just have a question. Okay, what's your question? If they can't find a body, can they accuse you of murder? That's like, really? Nope. He's like, yeah, there's no internet. I can't look this up yet. If I want to know legal advice, I've got to go to a legal person. That's you. Tell me. He's like, well, there's actually... A lot of extenuating circumstances that can affect that. Um, who's going to be the victim, first of all? And Traps is like, Daredevil! Yeah, I figure if I can just beat Daredevil, then that'll impress like my other partners, and they'll work with me to take down the Fantastic Four again. Just trying to, just trying to become cool again. And killing Daredevil. That's my ticket. And Matt's like, I think you need to go see a psychiatrist, not Daredevil. <laughs> So Traps is like, yeah, well, so is your mom. And he jumps out the window on a floating, I don't know, manta ray and flies out. And is like, okay, I know that Daredevil's friends with these lawyer people. So they'll probably tell Daredevil that I was here and I won't have to even go find Daredevil. He'll come find me. It'll be great. And Matt's like, okay, um, Foggy, Karen, let's see if we can get this glue off of you. It's going to take forever to evaporate. I'm not even sure that glue evaporates like that. Uh, Karen's like, get some nail polish remover. It dissolves plastics. Okay, nail polish remover. Um, And they dissolve all the glue off of them. 
And Karen's like, aren't you worried about your brother? Trapster's going to try to kill him. Matt's like, uh, not so much, actually. And Karen's like, oh my gosh, it's your brother. He can take care of himself. Yeah, well, you're a dumb face, so I'm going to leave. And you just watch out for the Trapster. And Foggy's like, yeah, you watch out for the... I'm coming too, Karen. <laughs> so Matt's there like, okay, fine. You know, I really outsmarted myself when I took on a third identity, my twin brother, Mike. Now it's just making my life more complicated. And everyone reading this comic said, yes. <laughs> yes, you made your life more complicated. So Matt turns into Daredevil, decides to go find the Trapster. Trapster's out there on his flowing green thing, sees Daredevil. So uh, he attacks Daredevil with a paste gun. Daredevil fights back. And... Eventually, uh, after a bunch of blows traded, um, Trapster pulls out some of his good friend, the wingless wizard, pulls out some of his hover discs and slaps them on Daredevil, causing Daredevil to float up into the sky. And Trapster's like, ha! Now you're going to float up into the sky and you're going to die. It's going to be great. Uh, this is exactly the way I wanted to go. Yeah, this is great. So Trapster goes back to the wizard's lab Gets out some of his uh, makeup and makes himself up to look like Daredevil. And he puts on a Daredevil outfit and decides to go to the Baxter building. Oh, there's the guest star. Mm -hmm. And in the Baxter building, he's like, okay, um, I've dressed up as Daredevil so that the Fantastic Four will let me in. And Susan Storm sees him on the thing. She's like, yeah, I'll push the button for you so you can get to the special elevator. So she does. And Trapster Devil comes up in the elevator, pulls a paste gun on Sue, splats her to the ground, puts a bomb in the uh, room. It's not going to turn off for the five minutes, which gives me time to get out of here. And as soon as any of your partners return, they're on body heat. We'll set it off within seconds. So I'll just leave it right here, ticking. So Sue is glued to the floor while the Fantastic Three are off doing whatever it is that boys do and they're not beating up Ben Grimm. Meanwhile, Daredevil's like, okay, I've ripped off all of the discs except for one. The one is not enough to hold me up, so we're just going to fall slowly to the ground. And so they do, and he catches himself on a flagpole to, to break his fall. Meanwhile, um, while he's trying to figure out what to do next, with Trapster hanging on a flagpole, Susan's trying to figure out how to not die from a bomb while she's glued to the floor. To be continued... Next issue. Yeah. Now, is this the Daredevil that you like? Because this felt like so classic to me. Well, it's still kind of cheeseball, but at least it's not as over the top as it has been. Yeah. No, Mike Murdoch is like a background concept. He does not play a role in the story, really. No, but we do have Trapster breaking in to ask lawyer questions and then wants to kill Trapster, Daredevil for no reason. But Trapster that's okay. is, in fact, ridiculous. Yeah. I like but how yeah. much stuff he has totally stolen from the wizard and doesn't even really give him credit for it. <laughs> This flying conveyance and the discs. Uh-huh. Where is the, the lab wizard? headquarters? Yeah, apparently he still has the keys to the lab. Right? Yeah. No, we just saw the wizard. He fought Spider-Man with Mysterio. They got arrested. Oh, him. that's right. So are they still – does he still have lab access because he's part of the Frightful Four? Is like that a thing? He still pays his dues for that? He's still wearing I don't know. I kind, of, I kind of link Trapster and Wizard in my head as being a duo now. Mm -hmm. Mm. Seems like they're the the constant members of the Fantastic Four. Well, Medusa's out, and I feel Fractal like Sandman's Four. out. Probably. So it's basically those two. And both Wizard and Trapster want to hurt the Fantastic Four still. Makes sense. We will see Wizard again in eight issues. Eight months, rather. He's in Fantastic Four number eight. Mm. 
Oh, so they live through this? Well, the wizard does. He's not here. Uh, I assume that Daredevil and Trapster. Yeah, I assume that everyone survives. I don't know that for certain. I haven't looked ahead. (laughs) I feel like just because you're stuck, first of all, Invisible Girl Gene Colon, woohoo. But I feel like just because you're glued, stuck, doesn't mean as an invisible woman you can't do things. Mm -hmm. Like you have the ability to move things and shield things with your mind. Like just do that. Also, you can't do this in the comic because comics code and everything, but if her clothes are glued to the ground, couldn't she finagle her way out of them? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Good point. Um, But yeah, I, I enjoyed this. This was fun. It was light. It was Daredevil. It was mm-hmm. good stuff. We got two splash Draw- pages. Yeah, with uh, them fighting in the air. That was a really cool one where he's flying up into the air. That was a good one. Mm-hmm. He's swinging down and kicking Trapster in the face while Trapster lets off a paste gun splatter. Mm-hmm. I'm digging Trapster's look. He doesn't look very awkward in this. No. The weird fat armor thing looks better now. He's definitely come a long way since we came, since he was the first Spider-Man. Yeah. This is me trying not to react. <laughs> <laughs> he doesn't swing from uh, his glue anymore. No, he doesn't. Probably for the best at. Mm-hmm. Um, and there's some Matt and Foggy Karen drama. That was good. I liked that. Mm-hmm. They really have to resolve this mic thing. I feel like they're wanting to now. And they they just, want to stop using it and bring they, it to a close somehow. They just haven't figured out exactly how yet, but they're working towards it. I agree. It seems likely. But um, wow, yeah. we're under an hour and a half. Yeah. <laughs> Even with five comics. Well, you work with what you work with. Yep. So next episode, we're going to be back for five more stories. We're going to be here for The Avengers 47, featuring the return of power. The return of Magneto. And then, dun, 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 Marvel Superheroes 12, featuring the coming of Captain Marvel. All new, never seen before. Then we're going to wrap up October with Amazing Spider-Man 56, Spidey joins Doc Ock. J. Jonah Jameson says, superhero turns bad. Then we'll dip our toes into November of 1967 with Sergeant Fury 50, The Invasion Begins, and Strange Tales 165 with um, Nick Fury fighting a robot, Behold the Savage Sky, and what's Doctor Strange doing? Doctor Strange has a new artist, apparently. Aww. Um, no, no, still Dan Atkins. Sorry, oh, the okay. mystic and the machine. That's right. He's gonna go up against oh. the scientist supreme, scientist supreme, and then he's gonna win. Be an evil scientist, indeed. What's I that? am the sorcerer supreme. It'll be the first time he says it. Hope so. Being an evil scientist, he is, of course, a bald white dude. Of course, of course, that tracks. All right, so that's next week. In the meantime, Mike, where can they find us? You can find us at makearsmarvel.com. You'll find links to all the uh, the best apps. You'll find an RSS feed to plug into the less best apps. Um, there's links to our social media on Facebook and Twitter. There are, of course, all the episodes. You can play right there. Or you can just listen on a, you know an app. Or you can write us through the contact form on the site or directly podcast at makearsmarvel.com. Also on the website, makearsmarvel.com, is a PayPal link where you can uh, click and throw some uh, spare change at us to support the finances of the show. Um, I'm on Twitter at John Reads Comics. Mike is on Twitter at Kaiser the Great. So please tweet at us, interact with us, tell us what you think of the things that we think, and we'll tell you what we think of the things that you think. And as long as you're not like a really terrible person, like 
Can I say, unless you're not a Trumper? Uh, yeah, I don't care if you say that. <laughs> as long as you're not a Trumper, we'll be happy to talk to you. <laughs> <laughs> Anyways, uh, they didn't come here for a politics podcast. So, all right. We will be here next time. So until then, or until all of Scott's things he just told us about his life at the orphanage turn out to be implanted memories, make ours marvel. marvel.